so there were like two or three breakthroughs that she talked about, all kind of different from each other. If you're here tonight and you're stuck, or there are things in your life that you don't know how to work out, ask God. He has a breakthrough for you. It may not come in a way that you're comfortable with. Most of mine haven't. I haven't been that comfortable. But he'll have some really powerful things for you. So, I am looking forward to what I'm going to share with you tonight. I've been looking forward to it for all week. So, let's get started. Um, Before, um, Laura, if you could come up and pray for me, since we already sang that song. So... Yeah. No, use the microphone. I'm always afraid of this thing because I'm really loud anyways. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to scream in it and freak everyone out. But um, Jesus, we just thank you so much for Eric because he's amazing. I am eternally grateful that you have put him in my life, that you changed my heart in regards to what I saw that was wrong <laughs> and that you let me see what was right and the truth and who he is. I thank you that you let me honor him and respect him and so, value him. So. And I thank you right now, Lord, for every single heart that is open right now to hear what he is going to say, because I guarantee you it is going to be some good Jesus stuff in here tonight. So we thank you for him, and we just ask that you would just speak out of his mouth tonight, and that you would touch hearts and minds and spirits. Amen. Amen. I just remembered, Laura actually texted me today and goes, hey, I think I'm going to be late. I have to work. Here, I'll take it. She was like, and she gave me some reasons, and I was like, aw. And um, I said, I can't remember exactly what I said. I said something like, I, I will miss you. I always miss you when you're, and I always need you. And so then she shows up and she prays for me. So um, the title that was in your email, if you got that, and by the way, if you don't get our email that tells you all the stuff that we have coming out, we send one out every month. We would love to give that to you. If you'll complete the visitor's card and print really plainly, especially your email address, we'll send that to you. But the title was Spiritual Momentum at Warp Speed. And you know Eric Knopf, so he texted me back. I love that title. But the one that the Lord gave me uh, last night was World Changing Identity Stewardship. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Somebody said to one of our leaders, and I don't think this person is here tonight, he's like, you sure talk about son and daughter stuff a lot here. And you're always mentioning the word orphan. And um, that's true, and that's because God is a father before he's everything else. That's, That's really, if you look at the plan from the beginning to the end, it's fathering us. And so if you don't get that in your heart, and really so much of the church today doesn't have that in their heart, they're all about their Bible study, they're having their quiet time, they're checking off, I read my chapter, I listened to Kim Walker for three songs, I, and I wrote in my journal, and we're done. And um, I've had my quiet time. And if that's all the quiet time is to you, if that's all your encounters are with the Lord, you have a legal relationship that has no power whatsoever. I want to show you, read you a couple of verses how that actually happens. 
Here's most, a lot of ministries, a lot of places, everybody's worried about their position because we get our significance from the role that we have. So I've been, um, the Lord just showed me some stuff out of the Bible and I'm gonna read it to you. Um, it makes me laugh a little bit. So um, Jesus, this is what Jesus was telling. They were on their way to Jerusalem in Mark 10, 32. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. And he took the 12 aside and it's like, if you look at Jesus, you know, there, all these crowds followed him, but he had 12 whose lives he spoke into. Out of the 12, he had three. And so he takes his 12 aside and he tells them, he just totally tells them everything that's gonna happen and shares his heart. He says, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. So he just handed them the plan. I mean, everybody else in the whole Old Testament has heard about the covenant, what's gonna happen, but they have front row seats. And this is their response. And it's like, it says then, right after he shares this, which is in effect, I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna raise again. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, he had just told them everything, you know, this grand plan. Awesome, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Isn't that cool? They are so stunned by the powerful, supernatural destiny that Christ just shared with them. You can tell they're overwhelmed, aren't they? They're not even thinking about it. They didn't say, do you think it's going to hurt when you die? Is it going to hurt you? Can we be with you? What can we do for you? You're facing your, no. They're like, hey, since we're moving into the kingdom, I'd like to know, can I sit on the right hand? And my brother wants to sit on the left. Not only that, if you read, I think it's Matthew 20, if you read the same story in Matthew 20, they brought their mommy. Yeah, and Matthew 20 says that she's the one who said, I want one of my boys to sit on this side and I want my other boy to sit on the other side. Wouldn't that be a great sense of success? You've been with these guys three years. You've literally poured everything you have into them. You tell them you're getting ready to die and they are there for themselves. But this is what was hilarious. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm, bapti baptism I'm baptized with, which they're so clueless. You would think after three years, that they would have a few clues, which this is actually very comforting to me sometimes. Because there are people in the room I've been with for three years, and sometimes you're just like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> three years? Well, Jesus had the same problem. And he was like, you, you're gonna be able to be baptized with a baptism I'm baptized with. They're not thinking, wait a minute, uh, he's getting ready to die. No, they're, they're clueless. 
But this is what was hilarious. In verse 41, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. (laughs) Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded, and then he goes on to talk about all this stuff. He says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But, I mean, that last part is like, wow, that's the deep part. This is the hilarious part. The other 10, they were indignant. You know why they were indignant? Tell me. Yeah, they beat him to the punch. They all were thinking about the same thing. Because when you know who you are, you don't got to push and shove. When you know that you have favor and you know what your identity is, you can shut up, sit down, because when it's time for you to take your microphone, they will hand you the sucker. You don't have to push and shove. And I was like, the whole crowd, I mean, Jesus must have gone, oh my gosh, just kill me now. You know, forget Gethsemane, I'll just skip it. You know? His whole team, they're all at the same place, ticked. You know, Jesus is like, I only got so many sides. But the powerful thing he said, (laughs) the powerful thing he said was, that's not for me to decide. He said, to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Even Jesus was submitted to the Father. Because what you were created and designed for is not for me to decide. And if you give me that power, you you have the wrong God. Because if the Holy Spirit puts something in you and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it's from God, it's going to stay. No man can shut a door and no man can open a door for you. God is the one who opens and shuts doors. So if you tell me your dream and I'm like, I don't clearly get that. Or sometimes, you know, people come in and they're like, this is what God told me. Awesome. There's a little word that Eric and I have learned called timing. It's an amazing word. Because if I hand you a microphone too early, you know what happens? All your flaws get exposed on stage. So the most unkind thing I can do sometimes is give you what you want. So we're not going to be a group like that. I truly believe that we're a group of world changers. I told DNA Friday night, guys, DNA is going to be, because they used to make fun of me at DNA because we had about 45 people or 50 who would come occasionally, and I had 32 people in my leadership team. And they're like, what are you doing? But I was building the leadership team for the ministry that is today. And we are building a leadership team for the ministry, oh, oh, that God's bringing So that's what we're starting to do in DNA. So we were talking, and by the way, sometimes, you know, when there's anointing, that happens. So don't be distracted. 
and I dare you to go to sleep because I'll scare the crud out of you. <laughs> what we're doing at DNA, we talked about time management and Circles of Covenant Friday night. I'm going to start, it's, it's going to be totally a, an iron sharpening iron time. So if you're wanting to be a leader, and I'm going to just talk about here because guys, you don't know what epic life is going to be in five years. I don't either. But I know that if you will follow some of the principles that we've been intent on for the last five years, you will be doing what God has called you and designed you to do at a whole different level. So let's talk about that some tonight. Miracles, revelation, and everything else comes from an encounter with God. And that's why you hear me, I'm training you. I'm not like trying to get you to do worship because I want us all to sing together good. I don't care who sings well, frankly. One of my roommates doesn't have the greatest voice. But I will tell you when he sings, the presence falls. Why? Because he's a huge lover. So when I hear that, he loves God intensely. When I hear that sound, I know the presence is coming in. I had a roommate in Virginia who was an intern at a church, got involved sexually with a young lady, and they asked him to step down. They had a little hard time with restoration, so I said, why don't you come live with me? So he did. He was really broken. He thought his life was over. And he picked up the guitar and started singing. And he would literally go in his bedroom, shut the door, and start singing. And the presence of God would come in so strong, I would start shaking, because that's another thing I do. Sometimes when there's a lot of anointing, I'll shake. Show. And I would start shaking. So one night in our ministry, I had another guy who was so determined he was going to be a worship leader. And what did I do? I gave him the microphone a little bit early. And it was horrible, literally horrible. And I walked up on stage halfway through the second song and said, I don't know what we're doing, but we're going to change what we're doing tonight. I said, Chris, do you have your guitar with you? He goes, it's in my trunk. I go, great, go get it. He brought it in. I had a microphone set up on the floor. I sit on the edge of the stage, shut your eyes, and do what you do in your bedroom with the door shut. And he started singing. And literally the presence of God came down in such a powerful way, it gives me chills still to remember that. And that was 15 years ago. And he went on to become a powerful man of God because he learned in his private time to worship. So let's talk a little bit about this tonight. Um, I want to talk a little bit about self-control. Um, that's a fruit of the Spirit that you develop. And the Holy Spirit's been showing me lately, if you will focus when you get up in the morning on who you are, you won't have to worry about what you do during the day. And I was like, well, that's a novel thought, because I've been trying to, you know, work with my, my eye gate and how am I feeling and what are my triggers and all that stuff. And there is some merit to that, so I'm not making fun of it. But I've noticed that if I get up in the morning and go, I'm a son. Like this morning when I woke up, first thing when I woke up, all these thoughts, which well, tells me that they're not from God, 
because they were hammering me. It was like, what are you gonna do about this financially? What are you gonna do about this financially? What are you gonna, all this money stuff, I'm not hardly even awake, you know? And I'm like, hold up, I'm a son who has a daddy and I'm not trying to be irresponsible, but I am not dealing with this at 5.30 in the morning. Go away and leave me alone. So I didn't have to get up and eat to forget about it or you know, whatever you wanna to do to numb yourself. I encourage you, instead of worrying about self-control and controlling yourself and dealing with all your problems and all that, get up. First thing that comes out of your mouth is, I'm a son. If you don't know how to talk to yourself, that's why we have these on these tables. We don't have these for our amusement and they're not to make the place colorful. Take these home, read them out loud. Your life will change, I promise. If it doesn't, if you read these out loud for 30 days, every single morning and every single night and your life doesn't change, you come see me, I'll give you some money. Okay. Whatever I focus my heart in is where I'm gonna live from. Let me say that one more time. Whatever I fo focus my heart on is where I'm gonna live from. The Western mindset compartmentalizes human beings when it comes to feeling and thinking. The heart, we think the heart feels and the mind thinks. Proverbs 23.7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Hmm. Maybe the Bible wasn't written by somebody from the Western world. That's a novel thought. So let me give you the Hebrew definition because it wasn't. Heart encompasses the entirety of your inner man or woman. Your heart is the seat of your mind, imagination, will, desires, emotions, affections, memory, and conscience. It's the center of your communion with God and the faculties that perceive God. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. My goal, you have to remember, I'm apostolic. What do I wanna do? I don't care how big you are, I don't care how tall you are, I don't care how skinny, how fat, how in shape, I don't care if you have hair or none, I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm the guy that was never supposed to mount to anything. I got written off, a line put through my name early and I never could seem to get it erased. However, I began to get later in life, like 50-ish, that God never put that line through my name. So I'm here to tell you tonight, if you think that a line is through your name and you're on the loser list, you're only there if you choose to stay there because God says in Jeremiah 1 that before you were ever in your mother's womb, he had a plan for you. And no man can take away what God has planned for you unless you let them. But it is up to you to fulfill the plan that God has for you. That's why you wanna watch over your heart with all diligence because from it flows your ability to have life. So I want hope to come up in your life. Hope, however, is not a fluffy little dandelion thing that you hand to someone. Hope is something you gotta have a little ghetto in you or you will never get it. So, if you don't have some ghetto in you, I am here to impart some because I have plenty of it in me. Ghetto is 
such a scrambly word. So let me just, let me make it nicer. It's called grit and stamina and fight and courage and bravery. You need it. Because the Christian life is not for the weak. I hate it when I hear people go, ah, I don't go to church anymore because they're all hypocrites. I'm like, you spineless creatures, shut up. You just don't have the, the guts to go for it. So shut your mouth until you try it and you make it work and then you come and tell me what the church is full of because you'll probably have a clue. So let's talk about how do you watch over your heart? One, please write these down or put them in your phone. Listen to the Holy Spirit. I'll give you an example. I went out with, is Dennis here tonight? Okay. I went out with Dennis last night and we had a six ounce steak. It was awesome. I came home, I had some popcorn. It didn't have butter on it, so it kind of tasted like cardboard, but I ate almost all of it. Then I went and had an apple. They're all very healthy. Popcorn's almost nothing in calories. I had an apple. Then my roommates are watching a movie and I decided to go work on my sermon. So I grabbed some almonds on my way through and they don't have anything on them, so they're healthy. Everything I'm doing is healthy. And um, so I go work a little bit and then I go get some more almonds because they're so healthy. And so I'm eating and I'm like, I think I'll go get some more almonds. So I get up to walk out and the Holy Spirit's like, what are you doing? I'm like, getting almonds. (laughs) And he's like, "Uh, you know why you're getting those almonds? I'm like, yeah. He goes, why don't you sit your butt down? I'm like, and to you, maybe if the Holy Spirit talked to you like that, you would think he's unkind. I don't. He just gets to the point with me and I'm like, I could do that. So I set my butt down and I start working on my sermon and bam, it all comes together. I mean, I was like pulling, oh, that doesn't belong there. That belongs, oh my goodness. I know why I didn't think of that. That kind of stuff, why? Because I was trying to comfort myself with food. You know, so I feel better while I'm all this anxiety because I have to be profound. No, I don't. I got to sit down and listen to the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying to me is good for you. And if it's not, because Epic Life's not for everybody, there's a bunch of great young adult ministries in the city. I can direct you to several of them. So one, listen to the Holy Spirit. Two, stay in community. Who you choose to do life with will determine so much about where you go in your life. Even in this community, you can come here, but if you turn around and everybody in your little circle is like unhappy, no one ever pays attention to us. I think it's a big click here. If everybody in your circle is saying that, run. (laughs) Because you're in the wrong subcommittee. Okay? Community, sorry. Uh, Shaddy, come up here. He doesn't know I'm gonna do this. So every morning, I live with Shaddy and Saul and Coleman Phillips. And um, every morning we go to the gym, okay? So I, I work out and um, I am very serious about going to the gym with him. Why? Because my muscles get big. So let me show you something. Oh, I should have told you to wear a different shirt. So this is my bicep, now do yours. 
Do you see mine? No. You don't see mine. Why? Thank you, Sadie. Why don't you see my bicep? Because his is bigger. A lot of times, that's what we're afraid of in community. It's like, oh my gosh, I'll be in someone's shadow. Hopefully. Because if there's nobody in your community who's bigger than you are, you ain't got nothing to look forward to. You don't have anything. I can talk with correct. I actually have a master's degree. So I'll throw that in because I, I don't know why I'm talking like I am. Um, <laughs> you ain't got nothing to look forward to. That's what I meant to say. You want somebody in your community who, when you go to work out, they're bigger than you. You know why? Because if you don't have a spot, you're always going to be the size you are now or littler. When you work out in the gym, you got to have somebody who can help you because it's those last two or three that you cannot get alone that determine, are you going to grow or stay where you are or get littler? You got to have a spot. See, this is all very profound stuff. Three, live transparently. Whatever you can't talk about controls you. I'm going to say that one more time because I got no jokes for this one. Live transparently. Whatever you can't talk about controls you. If you're sitting here tonight and there's something in your life that no one knows but you, you're in a great deal of danger because you're in bondage. Four, be teachable. And you guys, I mean, most of my teachers are in this room. Russell Breton, I had coffee with him today, and he walked me through something today, this little process that's, that benefits me. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't teaching him something, you know, important to him, this great truth I have, because I'm 57, and he's only, I don't know, half, less than half my age. No, he was walking me through something he's really good at, knows how to do it, and when I got home, I was like, oh my gosh, I've had like five prophetic words that was going to happen and they've never come true because I'm clueless on how to do it. But when he sat down today, I wasn't like, who's this snotty nose little brat think he's d- doing talking to me? Doesn't he realize I lead this ministry? <laughs> you know, I got, I got my master's degree. <laughs> no, he started talking and I was like, oh, I started taking notes. I mean... And I've got my to-dos, and I'm reporting back to him. He's not reporting to me. You know, the guy that pastors me, Chad Everett, told me, I have this strategic planning thing I think you need to start using. I'm like, awesome. I was looking for something else to do. And so I meet with Nicole Romeo this week, and she starts telling me what she does. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Here's somebody who would know how to do that a lot better than me because I need a lot of help because I got too much to do. Be teachable. And the big thing, guys, a lot of times we're looking for somebody because we're so full of ourselves. We're looking for somebody who's, I I only want to be taught by someone who's 10 years older than me. I mean, I need somebody who's got some experience. Shoot, you need somebody who's got some wisdom and discernment and who knows how to hear the voice of the Lord. I don't care about age. I don't give a squat about age. A lot of people my age bore me. 
I don't care about your 401k. I don't care what you're, you know, I don't care how good you do in golf. I don't even know how you follow that little ball around for how many hours? I don't care. Okay. Be teachable. Number five, I think, live within the circles of covenant. Circle of covenant, we've taught about this. We actually did it in DNA. If you don't know what it is, you need to figure it out. It's a great tool that we use here. It helps you intentionally choose who you invest your time in. Because you're gonna become like whoever you spend your time with. I'm telling you, you can start out feeling great about yourself, but if all the people that you spend your time with, they all have little issues and they're all like this tall and you're this tall, if everybody in your circle is this tall, pretty soon you're gonna shrink, I promise. It's just how it works. Um, Also, like my inner circle, there's five people in my inner circle. I don't make any. I mean, I think I do have a clue about some things and I'm not being sarcastic. Because I've paid that, I call it out-of-state tuition, which is when you're stupid and you have to learn everything the hard way, that's me. But I've learned a lot of things. I still... If I'm gonna start dating somebody, sell something big, uh, I had a problem with my house. If I'm gonna get a new car, anything that's big, I talk it through with those five people. I get their wisdom. Because when I do things all by myself, they just don't always turn out great. Uh, Number six, I think, use the lie detector worksheets. And um, all these things we've actually taught on in the past, a bunch of them are on the tables. Um, but they're very powerful because it's truth to set you free. And most of the lies that rule your life, the lie detector worksheet says what was the event, what were the feelings you had, what was the lie that you chose to believe, and now what's the truth that'll set you free? Roy Hamblin, raise your hand. He's a raise your hand higher. He is a facilitator in our Christ Life program. He's hands down, yeah, that's right. He's hands down the best on utilizing the lie detector worksheet. It was probably three or four months ago, I was like so screwed up in my head, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I called him two days after I just had lunch with him and go, can we have lunch again? And he was like, sure. So we had lunch and I'm like, I'm jacked up in my head. We start going through the lie detector worksheet. I got a whole lot of information that I needed to set myself straight. You have to agree with truth or you're never gonna, you're just gonna stay the very same that you are. It's truth to set you free. Pray in your prayer language. And if that's a scary word to you, get over it. (laughs) It's such a powerful tool. The Holy Spirit is such, such a lover. He's the comforter. And when I get to the end of myself, I've used all my smart words I can think of, all my wise counsel, all my analyses, and I'm still stuck. And I pray in my prayer language. And I listen with my mind while I'm praying with my prayer language. I get solutions. I get thoughts that aren't mine. I get like something worth talking about. It all happens when I submit myself to the Holy Spirit, and I pray, because when you pray in your prayer language, you're praying perfectly. That's the Holy Spirit praying through you. It's so powerful. So if you're afraid of that, 
I totally get that. I, and I started to say was. I was, but I was always such a control freak. If I couldn't understand it, then I wasn't going to buy into it. And that took me some scary places. Pray in your prayer language. The last one is discover and explore how God made you. And I want to show you um, what I mean by that. It's very practical. Um, awesome. I love uh, Derek Morgan is so smart. He does, Sal puts some of the words together and then Derek puts them in slides. So he calls me and I don't take a lot of phone calls right before I'm preaching, but when I saw his name, I was like, this is the guy that does my slides. I need to take this phone call. Um, and so he started putting all these things that are actually here in my book. I, I live my life just as efficiently as I can. Every single tool I can get, I use. This is my brain. It's this obnoxious color, kind of because I like being obnoxious. And I can't lose it because I don't have anything else that's ugly. <laughs> so I put in mind, because I'm so intent, I, I didn't start getting a clue, I don't think, until I was 50. That's why I love your age group. I absolutely am passionately in love with your age group. Because if you guys get some of the things that God has taught me and you start now, you'll be like, you'll be someday when you're my age, you'll be six to 10 to 12 to 15 stories higher than who I was in the faith because you started earlier. So everything that I can give away, everything I can give away, it's like hand over fist. I'm all about it because you matter a great deal to me. So that's why sometimes I go to the scary levels of vulnerability I do. I tell you my life and I'm so cold-bloodedly ruthless sometimes one-on-one -on -one with the ones I love the most. So this is my circles of covenant right here. This is my time investment template. These are my strength finders. It's a powerful book. You can get it on Amazon for $13 and three cents. Um, it's an online test that'll tell you what your five greatest strengths are. Because God created you perfectly, but it's up to you to do something with yourself. Um, I also have my spiritual gifts test. I have my light, there's my lie detector I told you about when I met with Roy. Uh, this is some physical iodine stuff. All kinds of stuff in this at the, the front. This is my brain. Yes, I keep my calendar and my phone, but this is so I can look at month at a glance. This is September 25th, 2009, a powerful prophecy I still go back and listen to because we're actually doing this today at a level I never dreamed that we would do it. I thought, oh, that sounds kind of big and kind of stupid. Not Discover and explore how God made you. There's all kinds of tools. And any of us who are on the leadership team will be happy to show you those. There's a bunch of people also who aren't on the official leadership team, but they have a clue that just being on the team doesn't say squat. I tell our leaders, I mean, you should hear the things I tell our leaders. You can only imagine. Think how horrible I am and I'm right here in front of you. And I'm trying to make a good impression. I tell our leaders things like, if no one's following you, you're not a leader. 
Whose life are you impacting? And then I don't just ask these, like when I'm with you guys, I'm so gracious. I'm like, don't answer this, but let me ask you a question. Because I just leave it between you and the Holy Spirit. When I'm talking to my leaders, I'm like, answer the question. And if the answer doesn't match their destiny, I'm like, would you like to make another run at that? We can talk in two weeks. We'll do it again. Why? Because I love them. I'm not going to settle for anything less, unless if they don't want to work on it, I'm not working on anybody's life harder than they are. So if I hand them a tool and, you know, three months later, they're still like, I don't know. I don't know, circles of what? I'm cool with that. I don't have time for coffee, but I'm cool with it. And I'll see you at the next party. You know, because I'm happy to talk over a party, but I'm not going to give you an hour of time when you can't do anything with the last hour I gave you. So the reason that sounds kind of mean, I know it's not. Let me show you this slide. I saw this on Facebook and I loved it. Derek, can you put up the, that one? If you're gonna be a winner, you have to acknowledge the truth. It is you who took the actions, fought the thoughts, created the feelings, and made the choices that got you to where you are, now are. It was you. Let me read that one more time because it's really hard to figure out, okay? If you are going to be a winner, you have to acknowledge the truth. It is you who took the actions, thought the thoughts, created the feelings, and made the choices that got you to where you now are. That's actually the lie detector. Took the actions, thought the thoughts, created the feelings, and then made choices. Sons and daughters own their own lives. And I can tell you where you are in your identity stewardship tonight. If you're a person who owns your own life and you take responsibility for the choices you made and something bad happens and your first thought is not, well, my mother had not done, I mean, you don't know how I was raised. Well, you know, I once had a Bible study teacher and he told me I was never going to amount to nothing and that was a word curse, and I think that needs to get broken off. Broke it off yourself. <laughs> at some point, because I used to point at a family member in my family, and I made sure that everybody knew what a horrible experience I had. And people were so sick of me, but no one cared enough to tell me the truth until Valson Abraham, who was an India, Indian from India. One day he goes, Eric, at some point you have to grow up. Your life that you have today is the life you're going to choose. And your family member, I mean, we are tired of hearing about him. You're grown now. Figure it out. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if no one's gotten together with you. Ernesto Aragon has probably had, I don't know, maybe we've gone to coffee four times. He's come to our, he came to Brigade back in the old days and he was the kind of guy he would like slip in late and go through the kitchen and sit by the back window and just sit there. 
and he hardly ever said anything. And then as soon as group was over, he was back out the kitchen, around the side to the front door and, and out the door and he was gone. And I was always like, oh, I'm sure he's a nice person, but he's such a shadow, I'm never gonna get to know him. And I don't really know what happened because I haven't gone to coffee with him very much. But he's a totally different person today. Completely different. And it's not me. And then he sends me a text, I don't know when, a month or so ago, thanking me for all I've done for him. Do you know how mad some people get at me because I don't go to coffee? I'm like, I have a life and I have a headache today. And you'll be even less fun than you normally are. I don't want to go to coffee with you. At some point, you have to go, God, who do you want me to be? And if I can't go to coffee with Saul Lopez because he's too busy, well, maybe I'll go with somebody who's not as busy but seems like a really wise person. Because you might have a clue that would just come from the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing concept. Own your life. Bill Johnson is my spiritual father. Bill Johnson, he's a pastor at Bethel. And you're probably thinking, I didn't know you knew him. I know him, but he doesn't know me. <laughs> but he's still my spiritual father. Let me tell you why. In 2006, I started going to his church. And at first, when I would manifest, and I do it a lot there because there's a whole ton of anointing, I would yell and everyone would go. I mean, like five heads from the front row could go. Choom, because they're paying attention. They set boundaries and they're, because it's a healthy place. But they know me now. You know, I'm the bald guy. They don't know my name. I know Joaquin Evans, who's one of my heroes. And I do know a couple of others, but... Bill would not know my name if he saw me. I don't care, I'm still his kid. I read all of his books. I pay attention to what he says. I sit down and I take in everything he has to say, just like he's my daddy. And when I go through hard times, this house that I moved into liked to kick my butt. Thank you for every single one of you who's done something to help me move into that place. I went back to the, a book and it was the only one I ever read that I was like, wow, that's a light little fluffy thing, which is not what I use. I'm using I'm like, oh, that's so deep. I read that book. I was like, oh, well, that's like for uh, new believers. No, I pick it up. It's called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. It has helped me so much. It's put meat on my bones. He's my dad. Doesn't know me. I don't care. I'm just taking all the wisdom off him I can take. I listen to his podcast. I feel better when I hear his voice. What's my point? You can have people and let them be significant and they may never, you know, you'll feel like they don't even know your name. Maybe they don't. Take from them. Your heart, I'm gonna skip. Derek, I'm skipping uh, the long verse, the amplified verse. Your heart will take you places that your head can't go. 
The Bible study mentality, guys, has no power. You know, Sean Lawrence has given his testimony time after time. I don't know anybody who, who in our ministry who knew the Bible better than him. And he was totally enslaved to pornography. When he started making contact with God as a father, all of a sudden, because he was focused on identity instead of behavior. And that grew, that was progressive. It wasn't like one day he was like, I think I'm gonna focus. Oh, I feel like a son, bam. And he never had a problem with pornography again. It was just amazing. I mean, I do hear testimonies like that and I believe them, but I always wanna knock those people down. And it ain't love, it's pure jealousy. Because I have had to work hard in some ways. Because it didn't come to me natural to feel like a son. I felt like an orphan twice as long as most of you. It's twice as hard to kick when you've done it twice as long. I am going to do it. Ephesians 1.18. This is the Amplified Bible. You want to kick it up there for me, Derek? Sorry. Or did you delete it? I don't blame you. Okay. I pray that the eyes of your heart. Now remember, this is the eyes of your heart. Remember what your heart is? It's all of you, including your brain. May be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's sonship. That's identity. The riches of his glorious inheritance. Only sons and daughters get inheritances, guys. And for many of you, that doesn't make sense because some of you don't even talk to your parents and they don't have anything for you. That's why you have to get your mind renewed. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. He's inside of you. There's great power available to you. I'm almost done. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. But you have to learn to think with your heart. That's a huge challenge for us. We're used, to, if I can't understand it, I'm not gonna do it. That was my mantra, that was my core belief for most of my life. Therefore, I was a powerless, sucky Christian. Don't look at me like that, some of y'all are just like that. You know how I can, you know how I know? You don't have any joy. Because joy does not make sense. Especially for some of us who've lived the lives we've lived, our joy does not make sense. It's only when you start getting the hope inside you. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith grows as your heart, led by the Holy Spirit, perceives and understands the invisible realm of spiritual reality. Because God will start showing you, Eric, you can do this if you'll trust me. But I want to protect myself from failure and risk. So I'm like, I don't know, I don't, that might be for someplace off in the future, but I don't, I don't feel very comfortable with that, and I don't think I'm ready for that, and I don't know, I just think that's a lot to ask of anybody, and so you'll back away from what God has called you to and will equip you for. 
I had a friend who said he'd give me a million dollars four years ago for my ministry. Right before that, the Holy Spirit told me not to look for another job, but to give my life to young adults. And I was like, are you crazy? I have like, I talk to the Holy Spirit like that. It's amazing I've lived to be as old as I have. Because if I was him, I'd go, and then he'd be done. And I wouldn't be annoying him with my attitude. But he was like, I want you to give your life to young adults. And I was like, are you crazy? He was like, no. I was like, oh, okay, well. And then right after that, this friend of a friend, and my friend, my friend was amazing. The friend of the friend felt like God told him to give me a million dollars. And for once in my life, I chose to believe, to go beyond what I could understand. We were excited. I mean, there's people in here. We had meetings. We were so excited. And last December, it finally came through to me, wow, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Then you have a choice. But as I started sorting, at first it was like I was blown away. I was like, I was so dumb. Why did I ever believe that? I wasn't dumb. That's truly what the Holy Spirit put in my heart. And if I hadn't had that million dollars that was supposedly going to come, I'd have never had the courage to do that. You know, you jump on that diving board and it looks really like, wow, that's a long ways down there. So you jump some more, you know, and you're trying to look cool. Everybody knows, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping off this board. Give me a minute. You know, I want to get good pictures of this. But on the inside, you're like, I can't get off the board because I'd have to climb back down the ladder, you know. And so I'm on the end of the board, and I've jumped, and it's like the water. I mean, I never hit the water, and it's like, oh, my God, where is the water? It never got there. Because a million dollars never came. But you know what the Holy Spirit showed me was, if I hadn't had that, because I'm a guy who really didn't have very much faith, if I hadn't had that, I would never have had the courage to do it. And there's still a lot of things that I'm having to have courage for that scare the crud out of me. But I have so much more faith because all, for the last four years, I've done that. How? I don't know, it's been a crazy ride. But I've just learned, okay, Jesus, I think you have a bill to pay and I'm doing my best with what you've given me. Do you have any ideas? Because I don't. (laughs) And then something will happen. It's like, that doesn't make sense. But thank you. Your faith grows. And God will will reward you according to to what you do with the experiences he gives you in your growth. He loves all of you unconditionally, but he's gonna reward you according to your stewardship. And it's really important that you understand that because it's easy to come in here and go, wow, this is such a big ministry. I don't think there's a place for me. Really? Because there's people who come in here and reach out and grab a hold of what's being taught and they ha- start, their spiritual authority starts growing. Why? Because they're implementing what we're talking about. I'm confident in what we're talking about because I've got about 50 people in the room who've done what we're talking about and it's life transforming. Are we all perfect? No. Do we fall down? Absolutely. 
but we're way different than we were even a year ago. And a year from now, we're going to be way different than we are now. And you can make those choices and be someone who walks at a completely different level of spiritual authority if you want to. It's really up to you. Because remember what I showed? It's you who thought the thoughts. It's you who made the choices. I have these talks with myself all the time. Matthew 14, 40, 14 through 30. You can just read those. It's the story of the talents. It sounds like a mean story. You know, Jesus, the guy gave one talent to this guy and he gave three to this one and he gave five to that one. He comes back and the one that had five had 10. That's awesome, great job. The one that had three had six. That's good too, way to go. And the one that had one, well, I was kind of nervous about the whole thing, so I thought I would just like stick mine in the ground. And here it is, I still got it. And he's like, you wicked, lazy servant. And he get, takes it and gives it to the one that had 10. Wow, that's not fair. God's not fair. If you want authority, do something with what you got. Because it grows. That stuff grows until you're like, you know, jumping, you're a superhero in the spirit realm. Elizabeth Reisinger is one of the best examples of that I know. Many of you know her in the room. When she was here, she'd go out on treasure hunts. She'd pray for people to get healed. She did crazy things, didn't she, Kelly? She would be like, you know, we'd all be praying and she'd be praying and things would happen and she'd reach over and she'd get this person's hand and go, here, put your hand on them and start praying. It wasn't about her. It was about healing. It was about God. God's doing amazing things through her. And her faith has grown so much because she did so much with what little she was given. I don't care what God's given you tonight. You may look at yourself and you're like, Jesus, you know, Eric, can I sit on your right or your left? I mean, you know, when this ministry gets really big, I mean, I'd like to be on the leadership team. I don't want to you know, push my way in, but uh, I got skills, you know. You're gonna get your authority the same way everybody else in the room does. It's those cold-blooded, ruthless choices when you're like, are you kidding me, God? And he's going, nope. Stand up and the authority that I have given you. Speak the truth over your life, make your declarations. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. It says that in Hebrews 12:1. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The reason it says that is because in 1 John 3:8 it says the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. If we're ever going to be the church, the family that God meant for us to be, we're going to have to fix our eyes on Jesus, pay attention to who he is and destroy the devil's work, because that destruction, a lot of that is up to us. I'm gonna read uh, John 13, one through five. Do you have it on? Awesome. Remember the verse I read at the beginning? And Jesus said, serve. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of, John, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Think about it. 
Jesus knows what's happening. He's got his own traitor right there at the table. That's a great feeling. The evening meal was in progress and Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Jesus is at dinner. Now think about your own lives. What circumstances are you in today that you already see things coming together and it doesn't look good? You have to look at what Jesus does. Verse three, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. You as a son or a daughter have things under your power. So, so I don't care what circumstances are facing you today. I don't care if your boyfriend is not doing what you thought he was gonna do and it looks like you're not even getting the ring, you're getting the pink slip. Maybe you don't have a job that's going well. You have authority as a son or a daughter. Ask the Holy Spirit what you're supposed to do and then shut up and listen. It's a novel concept. Jesus got up from the meal, took it off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You realize that when he took off his outer garment, all of his imperfections, you could see everything. Because when I go to the gym, I rarely see anybody who's just perfect. You know, I mean, I'm pretty, I have pretty good upper body, but I got getaway sticks for legs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I, I, I put, I wear my shorts, because it's always funny at the gym when you see guys and they're like huge, but they always wear sweatpants. I'm like, come on now. I know you're sweating like a dog. You might as well just show us your sticks too. <laughs> put that back up, could you? So Jesus, like you can see his getaway sticks because he wasn't thinking about that. He was thinking about serving the very guys who he knew were all getting ready to cut and run when he faces his biggest trial of his life. So tonight, the thing that I, I want you to take away is your personal authority as a son or a daughter will never go beyond your willingness to serve and love people. Because guys, it's personal authority as sons and daughters that matters. It's not that microphone. Because if you don't have any authority because you've never lifted any weights in the gym, when you take the microphone, everybody feels it. And there are a lot of people already in this room who have a lot of authority. We are a ministry that's gonna be world changers. So I'm not like, come on y'all, try to be winners and not losers. No, it's not even like that. Come on y'all, stand and fight. Do the things that it takes. They're, they're not hard, they're just tedious as all get out. And it requires work on your part.
requires focus. I mean, who carries around an obnoxious notebook with your brain in it? I have to read through it. You know why? Because I forget who I am. So I'm like, wait a minute, what were my five strengths? I had to read it um, yesterday. I'm like, what were they again? Oh, yeah. Because it helps me take advantage of situations that God designed me for. But if you don't pay attention, neither will the world. And the Lord, he's going to love you dearly. But at those times in your life, you can't wait until your mom has cancer to start praying for people for healing because you're not going to have any faith. When you lose your job and you don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from, if you wait until then to develop your faith and become a generous person, you're not going to have any. You're going to be really scared. And you're not going to have any poise, no authority. Plan ahead. It works. I promise. There were a lot of years I didn't. I did a lot of really dumb things. Don't come this direction. Go the one that I'm now living. People are like, but that's such hard work. Really? You know what's really hard? Is being 57 years old and looking at the first 50 years of my life and thinking, I could have had a very different life. I rarely think about that, to tell you the truth because I'm gonna have a great life. I have a great life. I love it. It's very fulfilling. And I expect to see some amazing things happen for all of us. You're gonna have a great life. Just keep coming back and apply the powerful truths that are coming out of this house. So if you'll stand, we're just gonna pray together. I'm gonna pray over you. Sorry, this was kind of long. Wait, I'm not sorry. (laughs) And I have to tell you, like, sometimes, you know, we'll stand for for praise and worship. And, like, used to, I mean, I would turn around, there'd be, like, 30 people or 20 people still singing at the end, you know? And I go, well, because I don't want to stay until the anointing lifts. I don't want to leave until the worship is completely done because I know the heart of the Father because I know my daddy's heart. I I dearly love my sons and daughters and I have, talk about a full quiver, I got one that makes me tired sometimes, but I love it. But my heart goes out to the ones who have my back when it's time to worship the Lord, when it's time, and God is the same way. You want to be that son or daughter who is like, God, what do you have me here for? When you walk in here on Thursday nights, don't walk in like, oh, I wonder what they're going to talk about tonight. I hope it's different. That guy last week sucked. <laughs> no, no, no. Walk in and go, God, what am I here for? Right. Yeah. You, you're a very powerful person. Yeah. God designed you so powerfully. What are you here for? So let me pray. God, bless these precious men and women. Oh, 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 oh. 
I just pray, Father, that you would help us, give us creative ideas. I break the power of every lie, every word curse, every accusation, every scripture verse that's been used over you. I break the power of it in Jesus' name. Everything that clogs your filters to hear truth, I bust those suckers loose in the name of Jesus and I pray that truth would start being exposed to you in such powerful ways that set you completely free from everything that's been said over you that does not match your destiny. I pray that there would be a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit over this ministry and our individual lives. And I just look to God tonight to bring to pass the things that we cannot do in ourselves, but we can do powerful, mighty, great exploits with the Father who loves us and gave himself for us. So I bless you tonight in Jesus' name, and I gave horrible direction to the worship band. We're not even gonna have worship at the end. Be dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Alex.